Well, my name is Daniel, I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Christ Central, and it's a great honor of mine to introduce to you this morning, uh, and a pleasure of mine to introduce to you Reverend and Pastor Chris Cooper, uh, as Timothy mentioned earlier, who's coming uh, to be the RUF campus minister at North Carolina Central. And it is something, uh, or Chris and the Cooper family is somebody we've prayed for even before we met them. We've been praying for North Carolina Central since we planted this church, and God has provided an incredibly gifted man and an incredible family. Many of the Coopers are here this morning, uh, and so I'm glad all of you are here. Uh, a mutual friend connected Chris and I uh, a little over a year ago, uh, Tim Johnson, and, uh, and uh, over the last year, uh, Chris and his wife Sante and Lexi and Drew have come to Durham a few times uh, and seen what God is doing and this uh, kind of discerning this call to North Carolina Central, and we couldn't be more grateful that God has called him and their family uh, to, to this work and this ministry. It's not going to take you long to see uh, this man's heart for Jesus, his heart for the Lord, and his heart and love for people. He's become a good friend of mine. Uh, I'm excited that he's moving to Durham. Can't wait for the whole family to be in Durham. Thank you, Coopers, for letting them move to Durham uh, and letting them leave Delaware. So the, the Coopers, uh, Chris, born and raised in Delaware. That's where he's been. Uh, he's a Bucknell graduate. Uh, played football at Bucknell and, uh, and has been ministering, pastoring for seven years uh, in the UAME denomination. Uh, four year, the past four years, he's been the senior pastor at Mount Calvary. And so uh, we are excited uh, and, and grateful that he's here this morning uh, and that he's coming to do this ministry. I'm going to pray for him as he comes to preach the Word of God. So let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful that you pour out blessings that you pour out your gifts upon your people, uh, that you've called some to be teachers, some to be encouragers, some to be pastors, some to be those who serve in mercy and justice, some uh, with, with gifts that are needed in the body of Christ. And we are grateful that you have gifted Chris Cooper with the gifts of pastoring and teaching and preaching, shepherding and loving your people. We are grateful that you've called him to Durham, to North Carolina Central, and to, to be with us this morning, that you've called him to yourself and you've called him to be your spokesman, the preacher of your word to us this morning. And so would you, by your spirit, unplug our ears? Would you, by your spirit, illumine our minds? And would you, by your spirit, till up the ground of our hearts so that we would be changed. As the Word of God is living and active, would it have hands and lay hold of us this morning? And as we are changed, would it have feet? And may we live and walk in it as we leave this place. Bless Chris as he comes to preach your Word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Christ Central. Good morning, man. You don't know. I've dreamed about this moment for a long time. Uh, in the courting system, man, talking to Dan and Tim, uh, man, it's been about a year, am I correct? About a year, so, oh man, I came in here and I just fell in love uh, with this edifice right here and I fell in love with the people and I fell in love with Durham, so I'm excited to come and be the next uh, campus minister at RUF uh, at North Carolina Central University. So. We got work to do. Um, just to introduce myself before I get started, again, Chris Cooper. I have a family, my wife, Sante Cooper. 
I have a beautiful daughter who's 17. Her name is Alexis Oakley. And I also have a handsome son. His name is Andrew. Um, and he's four years old. I'm coming from Wilmington, Delaware, where I currently reside, but I'll be moving in Durham down here on June 10th. So I'm excited to be coming down. Y'all gonna have to show me. Show me some of the different spots. You know I like to eat. I was an offensive tackle, <laughs> offensive guard at Bucknell University, so you're going to have to let me get down a little bit. And um, I'm here to bring the word this morning. Amen. So amen. Just would like to honor my mom and my grandmom. They're here and some of my friends who came to support. Um, I'm thankful and I'm very grateful for that to happen. So let us stand and, and read our word this morning. I'll be coming from Acts 13th chapter, and it, be, and it will start at the 44 to the 52nd verse. And it reads, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout woman of high standing, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Just to give you a little background before we get into the 44th and the 52nd verse, Paul and Barnabas has went to a place called Antioch, which is now in modern-day Turkey, and they went there in some missionary work, and they started preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They talked about his grace being free and also talked about Jesus being risen and and how he forgives us from all of our sins. They talked about how salvation was not only for the Jews but also for the Gentiles, that they all were God's chosen people. As we get to the 44th verse, comes to the realization that the Jews love Paul and Barnabas' teaching and they invite them to come back the next Sabbath to spread the word of the Lord. As they came back at this particular moment and they start preaching again at the next Sabbath, uh, the crowd was larger. Why? Because their doctrine was so good. What they were talking about, I believe the word spread throughout the region. As they started speaking, some of the Jews started to get upset, mainly the leaders of those who were a part of the synagogue. Now, how come the week before 
When they were preaching the gospel and telling them about the free grace of Jesus Christ, they had no problems. They, they were excited and they were taking in all of the teaching that Paul and Barnabas were doing. It seems like at this very moment when those who are Gentiles started to come into the midst of the congregation, those who were seeking, amen, for the Lord Jesus Christ, wondering if they could get the same benefits of those that already were in the fold that the leadership started to get upset. Many times we get so used to and so comfortable Amen, with our churches, with our church liturgy, with our church traditions, with us growing in the grace of God and, and just handling it for ourselves. We kind of become selfish in regards to Jesus, just like the Jews were and say, I want the teaching for myself. But don't you know, there's individuals out there looking and trying to listen and learning about Jesus who wants to get to know him more. Just like it's for God's chosen church, it's also for those who are considered lost. What I mean by lost is that those who are just coming to get to know him, those who may not heard of his great gospel, those who may not heard of justification and sanctification, those who may not have, you know, the knowledge of who Jesus is. But guess what? When they come into our space, when they come into our place, we should love our brothers as Jesus has loved us. We should willingly open our arms and say, you know what? The same Jesus that I have, you can have too. But the leaders were, were not happy. They were jealous. They, they didn't want them to get the same Jesus they had. They didn't want them to get the sound teaching. We have to examine ourselves and be sure and very sure that we're not being selfish within ourselves and not sharing the great gospel, the great news of Jesus Christ. So what they started to do, they start talking about Paul and Barnabas. They start speaking against them. They, they start telling the crowd that this must not be right. They, they start conjuring up people to tell them that they were wrong. But don't you know, Paul and Barnabas just looked at them and stood boldly. Sometimes when it seems like people are a little upset and, and sometimes when it seems like people are against, you just have to stand boldly and say, you know what, I'm preaching what God told me to preach. And, and, and while they were preaching, while they were teaching, amen, the, the great thing that I love about this is said, look, I gave you the teaching. I, I gave you this teaching of Jesus Christ of those who know. But guess what? Since you will not accept it, since you won't be excited about it, since you want to talk against it, then those who are seeking, which was the Gentiles, those who didn't know about it, I'll freely give it to them. I freely give it to them. Why? Because it was already in God's plan. Isaiah 42, 6, let us know that Jesus was going to come up, be a branch and a light unto the Gentiles. Ain't it amazing that the Jewish leaders who knew every single verse and doctrine of the Old Testament completely forgot about that Jesus was coming to save those who weren't chosen in the beginning. They made a decision that they wouldn't abide by that verse, that they would rather keep their position than to allow people to love on Jesus like they would, like they would. So he said, I'll clearly go to those who are seeking Jesus, those who don't know anything about Jesus, those who don't have no knowledge about them. And once he confirmed this, the Gentiles just, man, they just took a hold of it. They, they took it with zeal, and it says those that were appointed salvation, which means God had clearly chosen those who used to not be in the promise to become a part of the promise. 
They became the part of the salvetic walk. They became a part of the blessing. And he said they were filled with great joy. They were filled with great zeal. They were excited about the word of the Lord. You know, I get excited about the word of the Lord. I mean, I think of this in a sense that when I have my car, it's a Honda Accord 2009. Okay, it's a 2009. It's not that new. It's cool, though. I love it. It gets me where I have to go. I love this car, but I kind of got comfortable with it, right? And, and, and then I had to teach my wonderful daughter how to drive, right? So, so she gets in the car, and, and when she gets in the car and she starts learning, she becomes a little bit better at driving, and then she starts taking ownership of my car, right? Right? So, I, you know, uh, I believe a great dad would have been like, oh, I'm so happy that my daughter is getting better, but I was a little selfish, I was kind of like, look, this is my car. You, you ain't better than me. I've been driving for such and such amount of years and, and such and such. And then she would have new ideas like, oh, I'm going to clean this and I'm going to make sure this is taken care of because I can't have my friends in my car uh, looking like this. So I can kind of relate to the Jewish leaders, right? They got so comfortable with Jesus that, that they took ownership of him. And, and then when somebody comes and tries to take him away from him or somebody tries to get a hold of him, you start getting a little upset. Like, who are you? But guess what? Jesus is the one in charge of us. We are not in charge of him. We are not in charge of him. So... As they grow in grace, the first response, those who are seeking for Christ and they found them, the first response that they do, the first thing that they do is they go tell somebody else. It clearly says in the scripture that the gospel started to spread all throughout the district. All throughout the district. Now, you would think in your mind that those who've been sitting in the synagogue for years upon years upon years hearing the great word of God would have already spread the good news. But it took the people who were coming to seek Jesus, to get a hold of Jesus, and take it out to the district so that a multitude of people may be saved. So that a multitude of people may be saved. See, many times the problem is not with those looking for Jesus. The, the problem is with those who sit in church every Sunday. <laughs> That's just the honest truth. Because the person who's seeking Jesus and they get a hold of him, they like the water at the well. I, I, I got some water within me, something inside of me that will never run dry. And then just like she went and told the Samaria people and most of them came to Jesus, that's their first reaction. If I have them, then guess what? I must go tell somebody. I may not have a PhD, an MDiv, I may not have an MA, I may not have a four-year degree, two-year degree, I may not be the most knowledgeable individual, but guess what? I just know I have a man named Jesus in my heart, and I need to let everybody know about the forgiveness of sins, amen, about him dying on the cross, about him saving my life, about him saving my life. We should all, we should all have that type of attitude. Our hearts should all be geared to serve people that particular way. We should all be excited just like those Gentiles were. 
See, I believe I came here because I'm in a group of people at Christ Center who have that excitement. And, and I, I love college ministry. I started in it, and I believe, man, if, if two or three people just catch on fire for it, that it'll spread throughout the campus. And, and just like people come here, it'll spread throughout Durham, and we'll see a multitude of great things right here in this city. Right here in this city. The amazing thing is as it spread throughout the district, the, the Jewish leaders, they got so many people involved. They got the women. Nothing against women, but my wife can talk. She can do things that I won't even know. And then her friends will come to me and be like, oh, I already knew that. And I'll be like, what? How did, how did you know that? But um, he went to the women, and uh, then they got the, the men who were leaders, and they rallied up a crowd, and guess what they did? They, they kicked Paul and Barnabas out. And when they kicked him out of the district, Paul and Barnabas didn't get sad. You know, we say this, it ain't no church like a church hurt. And... and, and Paul and Barnabas weren't sad. They just, oh man, they just kicked off the dust off the feet, off their feet. Look, when you know you've been assigned to do something, that, that you've given the gospel to somebody, and they don't accept you, don't be upset. Don't be mad. Don't, don't get down on yourself because maybe you went through a little persecution. Remember, blessed is the man persecuted for righteousness sake. You did the right thing. Don't, don't be upset because maybe they'll walk away and say, I'm not trying to hear this or I'm not trying to hear that. Sometimes you just got to kick the dust off your feet and just keep going to your next assignment. Sometimes you just got to let it be like water off your back and allow God to just, hey, man, I got you. I'll never leave you. I I'll never forsake you. I I'll be here with you until the end of all age. I just let him talk to you, read your word, kick the dust off your feet, and just keep going to the next assignments. Because there's a job for you to do. And, and what I love, it says, look, when they did this, when, when they basically just kicked the dust off their feet, it says they went to Iconium, and, and while they were going there, it says they were filled with joy. <laughs> they were filled with joy. I don't know about you, but when I've been denied, when, when somebody persecuted me at a particular time, sometimes when I walk away, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling bad. I'm like, man, what did I do wrong? Did, could I did this better? Could I have done that better? But you know what Paul and Barnabas said? No, I talked about the free grace of God, and because of my persecution, I can have joy. You can have joy, too. And then it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's great growth in persecution. It, it's great growth in pressure in our lives. It's great growth, amen, when we know that we're standing for Jesus, but it seems like individuals are not seeing it. It is great growth when sometimes the ones who you thought had your back, but when the time came, they withered away, and you stood boldly for Jesus Christ. It's great growth in that moment because you'll grow spiritually and you'll have joy. And you'll have joy. I'll leave you with this because I'm not a long speaker. I'll leave you with this. You know, as I was done with this, I said, is the gospel really worth it? <laughs> After Paul and Barnabas leave this place and they go to Iconium, Paul preaches the gospel and, and then he actually gets stoned where it looks like he's going to die. He, they stone him so much he looks dead but then he pops up. And I was wondering, look <laughs> he looks dead. They're like he's dead and then he just pops up like let's go. Um, and I was like is it worth it? Is it worth me 
being persecuted? Is it worth me carrying my cross? Is it worth me speaking out sometimes and everybody just looking at me like I'm different? Is the gospel worth it? I would say to you, yes, it is. I would say to you, yes, it is. The reason I know it's worth it because I'm standing right here in front of you. Is it worth leaving my family in Delaware? Is it worth going from a comfortable situation where I know everybody, everything, where to go, how to go there? Uh, uh, Is it worth uh, leaving some relationships? If Jesus said it's worth it, then guess what? It is worth it. It is worth it. It's worth making sure that everybody knows the gospel. It, It is worth going in front of a crowd of individuals who are just looking for Jesus to just speak about his good grace, to speak about him dying on the cross. It is worth those things. Why? Because Jesus has your back. He's standing next to you. He's standing with you. And when you get tired, he is carrying you to where you need to be. Amen. 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 Let us pray. My Father, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the word you brought forth today. We pray today, Father God, that you make us bold and not fearful, Father God, that the Holy Spirit leads us in all truth and and, and guides our pathways as we go through this world. It can be intimidating at times, not only in the world, but also in the confines of this place right here, but we know that you have given us great confidence and assurance in the cross of Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, live this life the way you want it to be. We love you and we need you forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.